What's up and welcome to Live in the Damn Dream. Sorry we're a little bit late, but I'm your host, Mike. And I am Sarah. And you know what? We're late because we are living the dream, aren't we, Mike? Something like that, yeah. Um, so uh, usually we try and get these out for you guys either like Monday night or Tuesday morning so that Tuesday morning you got it fresh and ready to go. But I got home from a weekend away and Sunday night, huge leak sprung on my bedroom ceiling for the second time since I moved in here a couple of years ago. And then I told Sarah yesterday on Monday we were supposed to record, but there was a plumber here all afternoon and I didn't think that hearing him trying to fix everything would be good audio content. And now as we're recording Tuesday afternoon this week, finally I have a little bit of free time. So my bad, I'm sorry. Um, I guess it's the damn part of living the dream. <laughs> yeah, heavy emphasis on on the damn. Um, but we're also, it turns out we're just doing audio only this week, right, Sarah? For anyone that's gotten used to watching us on video, we're taking a week off from the video. So we can still see each other, but no one can see how disgusting my apartment looks right now and your beachy blonde curls in your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to do a nice little parallel there and say like, no one can see how disgusting my apartment is or how disgusting Sarah's hair is. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be mean. Would also be accurate. It's it's going on day. I shouldn't even say this, but like girls don't wash their hair that often. But I'll just I'll put it this way. I'm pushing it this week. Um, <laughs> I'm really I'm really pushing it. I'm trying to set one of those Guinness records, uh, Mike. So let me know what's the longest someone's gone without washing their hair. Now, this is a parallel because that's something we talked about the last time we spoke when you interviewed me last week for your show. And we're going to continue talking about our careers and stuff this week in round two of our myth versus reality episode. But before we get to that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there was, was a record for the longest time without washing your hair, but I'm sure you're well on your way to getting that. So if I can support you anyway, just let me know. Side note, if anyone wants to support us, um, you can throw us some money and we'll send you this video file if you really, really, really want to see it. <laughs> we can I, make I love that it. happen. Let's start a bidding war. We'll put this on eBay. The lost tapes. Someone's going to have a copy of this and then no one else will. Amazing. Sarah's um, hair, Mike's apartment, and uh, a beautiful episode all together. Yeah, Sarah, you're saying I had to move everything out of my bedroom. So oh, like all my, my God, Mike. There's a pillow on my <laughs> living room couch because I've been sleeping on my couch the last two nights because I can't in my bedroom. What a dream we are living. Amazing. Um, all right, let's get to this week's episode. Uh, last week, we busted a lot of myths about what it's like working in media and entertainment. And we actually had so many that we decided to do a round two this week because there was so much stuff that we couldn't get to last week. And you know, last week, we talked about some of the things like a lot of people think we make a ton of money and we don't or that we're super famous and get recognized all the time and we're not. Uh, although I had a funny story, Sarah, that I remembered after the episode last week. So there was one other time that I was actually recognized. It was up in, I went back to Syracuse, my alma mater, for uh, a weekend, I think last year before the pandemic. And at one of the bars, some guy turns to me and goes, this is random, but are you the dude that hosts at the Mets games? And I said, yeah, I am actually. And he said, wow, awesome. And then just turned away and like ignored me for the rest of the night. So even though he recognized me, it wasn't like a good feeling that someone would want to buy you a drink or pick your brain or get to know some stories. It was just like, okay, yeah, I know you. End of the story. So uh, yeah, we're definitely not as famous as some people think we are, but we're famous enough at least to talk some more this week and crack some more myths. So we're kicking this one off with, I, I've definitely gotten this question and I'm assuming because you're the one that put this in our doc that you do too. Um, that people think that we can get them jobs, right? So this does happen to me. It, it happens particularly when I'm working, you know, with reputable companies, obviously. So it's like when I was working with HQ, people would often be like, hey, are they looking for other hosts? Hey, are they looking for writers? Are they looking for, you know, this, that, and the other? Um, it also happened to me a lot when I was doing stuff with Betches, um, which is sort of like this, um, female millennial um, account that does a lot of memes and videos and people would be like, oh my God, I love Betches. Can you get me a job there? And while I appreciate the hustle of someone asking, because another thing that we definitely have stressed on this podcast is you never know unless you ask, um, the answer most of the time is uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> same. And it, sometimes it's people asking for the same kind of work that you're doing or the same role you're doing. Sometimes they just want to get in somewhere else, like you said, uh, being a writer or, or something like that. Um, I spoke with 
a group of college students earlier this year and it was all sports business related. And the one guy was a lawyer just finishing up his law degree. And he emailed me after like, Hey, is there anyone in the Mets legal department that you could put me in touch with uh, that you're friends with that I can maybe get an interview for a job? It's like, sorry, I'm the talent that just shows up. You know, I, I show up, I, I read my scripts, I, especially a place as big as the Mets. I've never met anyone in the legal department. So people always assume that I think since we're public facing, for these companies or these organizations or whatever, that we must know everyone and we must have a connection with everybody that's part of that machine uh, when really we're not. And I fall into this trap sometimes. I'll meet another host that hosts somewhere cool. And I'm like, oh, let me be friends with you. And then maybe you can get me in to meet your producer or whatever. And I don't always follow my own advice because yeah, most times we don't have that kind of pull or that kind of stroke, uh, especially when it's for parts of the business we're working on that we just don't do that often i will say on the flip side um it has worked for me it, it yeah. has actually me getting into betches was because i had a friend who was one of the creative sort of directors there um it just took some time because they used a lot of their own in-house ta talent for a while but then ultimately she built enough of a relationship with them where she was able to bring me in so you know again i think asking never hurts. Like if somebody asks me, I'm not going to fault them for asking by any means. Um, but definitely just don't assume that, you know, you'll see results or that that person is just being rude or trying to protect their own job. Um, and they don't want to share. Some people are, but that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, so just consider that a lot of times, like we don't make those kinds of decisions. I have definitely recommended people for jobs. I love to do that. In fact, it brings me great joy to recommend people for jobs, particularly if I think they're talented. Obviously, if they're not, then I'm, I might just. That goes back to your reputation too. Not even someone coming for your job, but if you put someone up yeah. for a job and they, they suck, then that looks bad on you. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think the bottom line here is never be afraid to ask, but just, uh, you know, expect the fact that we are not the people usually making those decisions. And while we can definitely occasionally toss a name in the ring, um, most of the times that's not the case. Yeah, and the, the whole point of this episode and last week too, it's not to say, hey, this myth is completely false. Sometimes there is a gray area. Most of the time we can't get people in the ring to use your, your term, but sometimes we can. So in terms of this myth, mostly it's, it's not true that we can just pull that lever and get anybody any kind of job that they ask us to. Uh, but sometimes it does work. So that's kind of a, a yes and a no, depending on the situation. Um, but not only can we not always get other people jobs, a lot of times we can't get the jobs that other people think we can, right? Sarah, this is one that you get a ton. This is one of my favorites because, and while I love everyone for sending me, you know, things or they've read in Deadline, they've read on whatever publication that, you know, oh, the revival of this is happening, they're remaking this show or this thing's coming out. Oh my gosh, wouldn't I be so great for this character? Um, I agree. I think so too. <laughs> I think I'd be great for this character too. Um, right. And that character and so many more. Um, but yeah, the way this works is not, oh, wow, I decide that I should be able to play a certain role and then automatically I get an audition. Um, you know, there's just so many processes to even get there. Um, you know, we've mentioned on here, I, I think it was actually in the last episode, right, that you don't need an agent, I think, right, to be successful. So along the same lines is sometimes you do need an agent yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, for the roles. Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we recommend a, a couple of different sites on here for different um, casting type opportunities. Um, now, for example, right, one of them is Actors Access. There is an Actors Access sort of version that is available to everyone, right? All the talent that's applying. There is also an actor's access available only to the agents, okay? And they that is because they don't want it to be available to uh, Curly Moe and Sue to bring back uh, 
your, your <laughs> three favorite imaginary people. Yeah, Curly <laughs> Moe and Sue. <laughs> you know, like they, they don't want it to be available to just everyone. They want a select pool of talent that they know from agents they trust, um, people they trust, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, um, those are the types of situations where, yeah, it would be helpful to have an agent because most of the times that you're seeing like a big role like that, I cannot get my name in the ring for that role. <laughs> Yeah, it's 100% true. And I actually, uh, we've talked about this on the show before where I don't have an agent except my lovely VO agent that we've had some fun with discussing her before who still has not contacted me once this entire year. But I do have a, a friend, not a friend of mine. He's, he's an agent who gets me, sends me some work once in a while. And he sent me an audition this week that is a dream role for me. I can tell you about it off camera, but or off microphone, I guess. But it's nowhere public. And you do have those things where the only way you're going to get in there is to know someone or have someone reach out to you. So when someone says to you, Sarah, oh, the new, I don't know, what's the most recent thing someone told you? you Gossip be Girls in? being remade. But I think someone said uh, Little House on the Prairie. They said that I should play one of those girls. Yeah, yeah I've, you'd be I've like perfect one of the March sisters or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, even though I agree, there's no way you can just walk up to Warner Brothers Studios or whatever and say, hey, cast me in the thing. Um, I get it a lot for hosting things. I remember it mostly from family. Like when Regis Philbin, the late Regis, retired from Regis and Kelly, my grandma, oh, you should you should write to ABC. You'd be perfect in the morning with her. You guys would be great together. It's like, grandma, at the time, I was like, you know, some 26-year-old, you know, guy who'd never been on TV before. I'm not going to take Regis freaking Philbin's spot. Or when the late Alex Trebek first thought about retiring from Jeopardy, you know, cousins of mine, oh, you should go to Jeopardy and, and try out to host. You've been watching it since you were a kid. I'm like, yeah, so have tens of millions of other people, and I'm not going to be replacing Alex Trebek. So stuff like that, we're flattered. We do love it that you guys think of us that way, but we can't just say because we really want a job or we think we'd be really perfect for a gig that we can even get the chance to audition or apply for it. Wish it was that easy. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, it's just the hierarchy a lot of times, right? It's being cast by a casting director. So you would have to know the casting director or your agent would have to submit you to be seen by that casting director or you'd know someone who knew the casting director. And then aside from that too, at the end of the day, a lot of times it's not even the casting director making the final decision. It's client, it's, you know, Warner Brothers. Like it's it's all of those, there's so many pieces coming in like that. Yeah, if it were easy to get seen, I would be seen for you wouldn't see me here. I'll tell you that. I'd be so busy getting seen for everything <laughs> yeah. that's currently shooting and casting. Exactly. This podcast would be would be off the air because we've had, we would both have no time. Um, which and then this is kind of like I think wrapping up now uh, this section of the myths, the fact that we can just kind of do whatever we want. Because this next one, I get this a lot. I don't know if you do it, but a lot of people are always asking me to pull some strings, thinking again that I have a lot more stroke or pull than I do. Like, hey, Mike, can you get me to meet Jacob deGrom before the Mets game? Like, no, I can't. Can you get me to, you know, break a world record when you used to, when I used to work against world records? Like, can you get one of the judges to come to my birthday party and watch me do this? Like, no, that's a paid service and a whole like thing and whatever. And it's just people always think that again, because you are the public face or you're on screen or on camera that Maybe it's because all these stories over the years of, of, you know, diva talent, you always hear the actor or the actress that has their demands and their their child has to be on set with them at all times, or they have to have the green M&Ms in their bowl only. And they think we can just do whatever we want and everyone's going to be cool with it. But that's not how it works either. At least not for me. Maybe you've got more pull on set than I do. No, I think the thing that comes up for me, because I've never really worked any of those sorts of, I think you work a lot of sort of events where again, mm. it would be in that situation. But for me, I remember people asking me for HQ answers. Ah, see, yeah, there you go. That's exactly um, what I'm saying. And while I could have actually given out HQ answers, so that is a situation where I actually could have, I would be risking my job right. to be doing so. <laughs> um, so there's ethics there. And I think that also goes back to even you, like let's say you could reveal where so-and-so was gonna be, right? Like there's ethics involved there. Like, are I you going to be right. that kind of person? No. So, you know, just think of what you're asking and like, if what kind, what, what would you do? W W U Y Y D Y D. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you spelled it like a nineties kid with his slang. So that's perfect. 
<laughs> yeah. So sorry, not that we don't want to help you guys get access or get, you know, cool stuff behind the scenes. But again, we just can't. I think you guys, uh, you guys, a lot of people think that we're a lot cooler or have a lot more power than we actually do. Um, so the next one is going into a little bit of a different category. So it's, you know, we've talked a little bit on here about um, the power of no, right? And like not saying yes to everything once you get to a certain place in your career. And while that is great advice, of course it is, we gave it. Um, sorry, can you hear that? My phone just rang in the middle of the podcast. Well, excuse the abrupt cut, but hey guys, this is, uh, I guess it's just not our week, Sarah. My apartment's falling apart. My bedroom is underwater. You had a, a speaker, a microphone issue. We had to stop the pod midway through, but I think we're back. We're back in the game. We're back in the game. And you know, what I was saying is that we told you the power of saying no, right? And this is still true. Like I said, it's advice we gave. So of course it's great. Um, but what these are, we're dispelling myths, right? So I think a lot of times people think that they should just sort of take roles that are in line with their vision the whole way through, like, and while that is great, there is also a lot of value, especially when you're first getting started to take the other stuff, um, to get the experience of being on set, to network, to meet people, to, you know. So I think you just never know where something's going to lead. And so I think a lot of times people are like, well, that's not what I want to do. Like, you know, I want to be the director of this. So why should I have to work on this set in this way as a production assistant? Or like, I want to be a theater actor. So like, I'm not going to do this film. I don't want to do it on camera. So you know, things that don't feel like they're in line with that, or even I'll, I'll use this as an example, right? Like there's a lot of shows right now that have nudity, right? And um, as someone who's had to consider, you know, at different points in my career, like, okay, am I cool with taking this part? Um, you know, that's got maybe like one line, but I have to be naked, but it's an HBO show. Um, there have been times where like I did consider it and then I just didn't book it because I didn't know if that opportunity was going to lead somewhere. And you just, I, I just had to sort of weigh the pros and cons. And like, while similarly, right, I did one film where I had sort of back backside nudity, that same director asked me then to start in a new feature film where there was nudity involved and I would be the lead. And I actually turned it down because I didn't want to start get, getting seen as like the indie naked girl. So right. I think this is sort of, it goes back to like a case by case scenario, like weigh those pros and cons, ask yourself, is there something to be learned here? Could I gain uh, a new connection, a new experience? Um, but there isn't this blanket rule where it's like, okay, I have the grander vision. If it's not on the way there, it's not worth my time. That is not always the case. Yeah. And, and it'll take you in a lot of different directions and you do have to be careful. This I speak from personal experience of going maybe too far off of that vision, but there's nothing wrong with exploring, getting outside that box. Cause if you say, Hey, I'm only doing this, then you're going to cut yourself off from a lot of different experiences, a lot of different networking, a lot of different stories, even just for your own personal life. So uh, I do think that it's, it's nice to have a plan. I think we both agree with that, right? It's good to have a vision, but flexibility is such a huge, important thing. And case by case, that's going to be everything in your career. Um, that being said, something that I always found intriguing is this idea that kind of trick or combines with this about staying in one lane. And people may tell you, hey, if you want to be the indie naked girl, focus on just that. And anyone that needs that role is going to come to you and you can kind of corner that market. Uh, for me in the sports world, it's, hey, pick a sport, stick with it. You want to be the hockey guy or the women's basketball guy or the baseball guy, then you can all you can go for all those jobs as opposed to someone like me that covers a little bit of everything. Now, maybe I won't go as far as fast down one lane as a friend of mine who will stick to just one sport, but I'm open to a lot of different job opportunities, right? I can work for the Mets doing baseball and for MSG doing Knicks and Rangers basketball and hockey. Whereas I have a friend that is the hockey guy and he only gets hockey jobs. So you might go a little higher up the ladder sooner, 
but at the same time, you're cutting yourself off from a lot of different stuff. So I, I think having tunnel vision, no matter what it is, uh, it might help you in the short term, but long term, I think we both agree for the most part, it's, it's something you, you do want to avoid. Yeah, I think it's helpful, particularly in the acting world, to like know your type, right? Like you have to yeah. know, of course, like what a casting director is going to see you as when you walk in. Knowing that is a very helpful tool because if you're trying to play the villain, let's say all the time, but you look like the girl next door, yeah. it's going to be you're you know you're you're paddling up against what what is wrong with me and my sayings paddling upstream, paddling upstream my god curly um, mo and sue in a canoe paddling upstream <laughs> um yeah you know you're gonna be working against against yourself however you know if you ride that a little bit and this is why i say sort of like go where the door is open and that's been the case for me right like originally when i was presented with sort of hosting stuff I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if this is as gratifying to me as acting. Like there's what about the getting to cry on camera and showing people I'm actually like a trained professional in this field, you know, like it's so cathartic, all the all the things that I told myself. But like at the time, that wasn't the door that was open. The hosting door was and I went that way. And now because of some of the hosting opportunities I have had, I've actually had more opportunities as an actor. So you don't need to stay in one lane. I think going where you're called, like again, where the door is open at the time, like makes a lot of sense, but you can absolutely have diverse interests or niches. Like it goes back to that whole thing we've talked about in terms of social media, where like you don't need to box yourself into one thing as much as people will tell you, oh, it's too hard to understand if you're doing too many things. Plus, you can go broke. If you're saying, I'm not going to say no to every job, if it's not the exact one I want, then you're never going to work. You're going to have no money. You're going to have no opportunities. So you got to be open to sometimes doing what you got to do just to say you're doing something. Speaking of going broke, this next one is one of my favorites, and I'm sure we've all heard it. Um, and again, that's this is to say that like some of these myths are realities, but like overall are not the general rule of thumb. So I'm sure you have heard actors say i was about to quit when i booked insert incredible life-changing job <laughs> here right yeah. um and so like i've thought about it many times i'm like okay so should i just declare that i'm leaving acting now uh decide i'm giving it up i'm throwing in the towel and then all of a sudden magically like that job is gonna come along i mean i don't think that would be the case for me because i'm still not in the rooms in the way that like i really i wouldn't have that incredible life changing job falling in my lap if I were to say I was going to leave right now. I'm just not having those like network television opportunities that already exist. So I think here, right, this myth is basically saying that you have to get good and ready to like leave your career behind to book a big job. And it's ignoring the fact that you've already done so much work to get there because if you're already going in for those big jobs you've already had like a huge career right like i said like you would already be if you were the to then book the walking dead or the gossip girl revival like you'd have to be getting in the door for that in the first place and it's not like you're just going to magically say oh i'm leaving then an agent you never had calls you up and says hey i'm gonna rep you and i just got you this killer audition and you're like oh i'll give it one more shot I, you know, I guess I guess I can put the retirement on hold for another month or two to see how this plays out. So I think you have to remember that, like these stories when people say that they were about to to quit, there is so much back end stuff happening before they were about to quit. Like they likely were already going in for these casting directors. They may have known the producer or the director. Um, and they already had these relationships. And yes, maybe their spirits were down. Maybe they thought that they had taken all they could take when it came to rejection and not booking and watching their friends get ahead. But like they had already built themselves enough of a career. Most of the time were like, no, that next job was actually kind of meant for them because they had put in the work. It reminds me of two things. One, like the old saying, whenever someone has really been putting the work in, but then they finally blow up and they say something like, yeah, it took me 20 years to be an overnight success because maybe the only time they finally got mainstream recognition was that one role you finally saw them in in their 60s, but they've been a working actor since their 20s. And maybe you didn't see them in something, but it doesn't mean that they just got this role out of the blue that made them super famous. 
And then the other thing is how people always say, and I relate this career to dating a lot because I found it just got so many parallels. When people always say, oh, I finally found a partner when I when I stopped looking. When I was looking for someone, that's when I couldn't get dates. I couldn't keep a boyfriend, couldn't keep a girlfriend. Now, when I stopped caring, that's when this person came into my life. But when you say I'm going to stop caring about, like I'm not going to be looking for love right now, you're not literally holding yourself up in your apartment and not leaving the house. You're still going out to bars and parties and book clubs and whatever. It's just you're not giving off that sense of, I'm on the hunt or that desperation and people may sense that ease in you or that confidence in you. So same thing with this saying, I'm going to quit from this industry and then literally not doing anything else. No, that's not how these things work. Whenever people do say I was about to quit, but I landed this job, everything you just said, they've been putting in that work. It's not like they're just literally flipping a switch and calling it a day. I mean, also like they had to like go to that audition to then book that job. So it's not like if it's not like they quit, and then someone called them like begging them like, hey, you know, I thought you would be perfect for this life changing opportunity. Like, please come hold your like get yourself out. It, it, no, like they still made that decision to go to that quote unquote last audition, let's right. say before they were going to quit. And I'm sure there are times that it happens. Someone gave up acting for 10 years and then they had an old age and it's like, oh, if you're still into this, you maybe dust off the cobwebs. But it's got to be super rare to do something like that. Um, our next one is something that drives me up the wall. Um, I'm learning that this whole myths versus reality (laughs) series is just things that really piss Sarah off that she wants to get off her chest and vent about on the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Anyone can decide to be an actor these days. It certainly feels like it, doesn't it? With the TikTok and the social media and like, I've had some people that I know actually be like, you know, I think I'm going to pursue a career in acting. (laughs) And like, while I am very excited for anyone deciding to pursue something that they love, 100%, don't get me wrong on that. I think some people don't recognize that the hustle that it takes to get into it. It's not you just snap your fingers and decide, oh, I want to be a host. I want to be an actor. I want to be a performer. There is certain a certain level of training work learning the industry that goes into it so some people sure might decide that they want to be an actor but they're not necessarily going to just like make that decision then all of a sudden start landing jobs there's going to be work that goes into that um even even with these social media influencers like and again yes there are those people who let's say they hit a million followers and then yes they are approached to do something let's say um and they, they, they land their TV or their movie role that way because they have a good following. But the general rule of thumb, I don't know about you. I know plenty of people a lot. It seems like more people these days than not have a million followers on social media. We're and cool because we don't have a million followers. We're uh, an indie niche brand, each of us. Yeah, and they're not all movie stars. They're just not. Um, in fact, I don't know who half of those people are. So there you go. You know, it's it's not just okay. I'm gonna make a decision this morning. I'm gonna. I woke up and I've decided to change my life and be an actor. Um, if you think that's true, you're in for a rude awakening. It's just not the way it works. And that goes, I think, for a lot of performing uh, arts jobs, whether it's acting or hosting or, or dancing or, I don't know, pick a thing, right? Just because you have an oven at home doesn't mean you can become a professional baker. And just because you have an iPhone that you can stream on doesn't mean you can become a professional actor or a host. A lot of people can. A lot of people have that natural talent and ability that you put them on any camera doing anything and they're good at it. You might not be that person. You might be that person. Who knows? But a lot of people who are you know, really good at creating silly TikToks. You put them on a set where they have to read a teleprompter and know which camera to look into when the red light's on or whatever of the other minutia you don't understand behind the scenes. It's tough. Um, Right now, I mentioned Alex Trebek earlier, all of the guest hosts on Jeopardy that are taking turns filling in for him. You can tell someone like Katie Couric, who is a TV legend and amazing at what she does, wasn't that great at being a Jeopardy host because it's a very unique skill set and cadence and technique that goes to that job. So just because you're doing one thing really, really well does not translate to just, yeah, picking up an acting career now or a hosting career or whatever. And if we sound a little bit defensive about our careers, (laughs) you know, we've put in the years of the training and we don't want to not include anybody because again, do what you love. And if you're actually good at it, great. 
just know there is a lot more work to it than just showing up and talking on camera whenever you feel like it. Um, and along those lines, I'm going to bump one of these up. Um, you know, I think Ooh, we're doing a live Google doc edit. I love it. I let's, let's just say, you know, I think a lot of times people are like, Oh, I have a great idea for a film or a TV show or a movie, right? All you need is a good script and it's going to get made. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's not like anyone can decide that they are going to, you know, write that next, um, hit show these days there's so much more that goes into it and we don't have to get into too much of that but we we did a whole episode if you're interested on sort of how to pitch what that process looks like go back and take a look at that but there's so much more than just sort of having that that idea um from idea to execution to actually then selling the idea so yeah takes a little bit more than a good idea although a great idea um and some writing ability certainly does help it's a good start for sure um, so where are we at now? Once you get the, the role of your life and you're good, is that where we're picking up? Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, if you booked Jeopardy host, would you think you would be good for life? I maybe if I was good at it, right? I, I would like to think so, but I mean, Alex know. Trebek was. So again, this is sort of a case by case situation, but let's talk in terms of like TV and film. Like, yes, there are some people, Steve Carell, he booked The Office, let's say, like, I mean, I would say he's pretty good moving on, like he's now a household name. However, there are people that we have seen that we've never seen again. I'm trying to think, I wish I had some examples off the top of my head and maybe that's why I don't have examples because we didn't see them again. But, right. you know, just because you get that one role and this is something I've had to learn because like, I remember when HQ was blowing up, I was like, great, this is my ticket to a successful career. Um, and it does not ensure that you are good, both financially or like career wise, like you have to keep working. Um, and you know, maybe once you are a household name, you have a bit more security. Um, uh, once you're an A-lister, you are, but just that one role that landing that, like, let's say lead part in a television show, or let's say you're starring opposite, um, whoever Brad Pitt in a film, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be good for the rest of your life. You have to keep working at your craft, your career to, to keep going. And two things there. So we're giving Alex Trebek a lot of love this episode, which we it's are. always worth giving Alex Trebek some love, but I was reading a lot of profiles of him when he passed and those first couple of years of Jeopardy, he, it wasn't what it ended up becoming. He was still trying to hustle and get side jobs. And it was only after he was in that gig for 10, 15 years, can he say, all right, I'm going to work these 40 days a year doing this show. And then I'm happy to be on my own. The other point too, is that even someone like Steve Carell, you know, when he was in the office, he was everywhere. But as he started trying to transition to some more serious stuff and more awards like movie roles after the office, you know, he, he wasn't as visible as he was at that time. And so even someone like him and or what was the Netflix show he had last year, uh, Space Force, which was a huge production, big rollout, but didn't really get that warmly reviewed. Like I'm not seeing Steve Carell everywhere in my daily life like I was when he was Michael Scott. So I guess it also comes down to what you mean by like, you're good, right? Financially, unless you really screw up, I'm sure someone like Steve Carell is just fine for the rest of his life, just on his office money. But if your idea of being good is to continue to get roles as prominent as the big one that broke you, that's tough. Um, to use HQ as an example, you know, Scott Rogowski, that game took him from, wasn't he living with his parents still? Like couldn't even afford in his own apartment when that game blew up. Then he'd be next thing you know, he's hosting on ABC New Year's Eve with Ryan Seacrest and everything. And then, you know, I haven't seen Scott since. I know he went to the zone and did some baseball stuff for a bit, but like I, I don't see him. Whereas at a time he was on my timeline all the time. And so yeah, getting that one role, it's great but it may not always be that launching pad that that you want it to be. And a lot of times that's for because of things that are out of your control. You can try and do everything you can to maximize the success and use that as a launching pad. And for whatever reason, it'll just be out of your hands and the hustle never stops unless you are Brad Pitt. Um, along the same lines, going viral mm -hmm. does not make you successful. Um, should we use another HQ host as an example? I will. <laughs> yeah, um, so I just saw the other day, for instance, um, uh, Anna Roisman, 
she her one of her TikTok videos got over a million views. Um, and I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. And then I went and looked. And first of all, it wasn't the first time she had like that was her first million. Yes. But she had something hit, I think, half a million before that. And she still only has and I say only. So, you know, you would think you would someone who's hitting a million might have a bigger following on TikTok, which I think she only has like 12, 15K, something like that. So even with that, it doesn't mean that everyone's all of a sudden going to follow you. It takes a lot of times like several viral things. And even then, like Twitter is the perfect example of that. People have viral tweets at an, and then you click on their profiles and they have like 1,000 followers. followers. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like viral. Yes, it can help. Like look at the ocean spray guy, right? He went viral on mm -hmm. that and then he got a bunch of a bunch of branding deals and that's awesome. But again, it's not sort of this ticket um, to the chocolate factory. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's about sustainability because think of where the word viral comes from, right? A virus. What happens when your body gets a virus? You have it for seven to 14 days and then it's gone, like it's over. And same thing with going viral. You may have the, the video or the tweet of your life and within 24 hours, no one's going to remember it because the next thing has come along. Uh, I saw, I didn't watch it because I have no attention span, but I saw a guy created some YouTube series, he's a comedian. And the premise of the series was about this guy who was super viral on YouTube 10 years ago. And it was cool to be a YouTuber in like 2008 when it just came out. But now he doesn't know how to go viral again on TikTok and Snapchat and the new things. So he's kind of like a child actor who grew up and just doesn't know what to do as an adult now. And that's what going viral is. It's to your point, once you start going viral a lot, now you're not going viral anymore. You're just good. You're just making good content over and over. And so that's where it's that next level that you don't just strike gold randomly. You actually know what you're doing and making your success repeatable and replicable and something like formulaic that you can actually figure out what people want and you're the person to give that to them because anybody can get lucky once blind squirrel finds a nut whatever pick your your metaphor but yeah just because it happens once you're not getting into the chocolate factory or whatever it was <laughs> that, that you just said yeah um it's it's super annoying and i still haven't really gone viral that's the thing I'm like, damn, I must be doing stuff wrong. Just give me the one, give me the one no, million you view know, and then I'll be good. I had one Instagram reel go hit a hundred thousand. Okay. You go. Okay. Six figures. That's, that's good in any walk of life. There you go. So actually, I don't even know if it ticked over a hundred K yet. It might be still at like 99. So if you're listening to this, please go help me hit, hit three, Sarah's reels. six I figures. Help me hit yeah. Um, yeah. You're gonna have to tell me why I'll start on the next one. Okay. Um, so another myth, right? And again, not a blanket statement, but <laughs> where I go to college will influence how successful I will be. I think we're learning more and more that in every profession, um, not just the entertainment industry, this is not necessarily true, right? Um, you don't have to spend a ton of money on an education. Um, it really depends on what you want to do, what you want to use that degree for. Are you using your college experience to build those connections, to educate yourself in a way that it will translate to, um, you know, a, a, a work opportunity afterwards? Like it, it really is a case by case situation. And for me, I often do go back and think to myself, like what, if I were to do it differently, would I go, have gone to NYU? And, you know, you ask different people, they'll say different things. I, 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 I'm sure that there have been times where someone's seen NYU Tisch School of the Arts on my resume when I'm auditioning and immediately that bumps me up a little bit and they're like, okay, cool. She's, she's got some clout. Uh, she went to NYU. Um, but at the end of the day, like how many times are people these days really looking at my resume when I'm going in for an audition? Really not that often. So it's like, I, it, it, it truly depends. I know a, a number of people who like Lady Gaga is one of them. Kristen Milioti is another one who did go to NYU, dropped out before they finished because they were having success as artists in the New York City uh, scene as, you know, actors and entertainers. And, you know, it made more sense for them to pursue their careers full force than like get that education, get that, you know, piece of paper from NYU. And sometimes I'm like, I wonder if I should have done that because I really didn't feel like I was working to get an agent to be in films and like build my reel there. And like, I also think that's part of NYU's fault, to be honest with you, like for not telling us what was actually 
important. You know, I wish I could go back and do some of those things a little bit differently. But yeah, where you go to college will not necessarily influence how successful you will be. It can help. Uh, and I think different jobs or whatever in your career will certainly uh dictate that uh you know i went to syracuse explicitly for its broadcasting program and a lot of times it it helps to make connections it won't necessarily help me to get a job or land a job but uh, if i meet a producer who also went to syracuse at least we have that's a bond on and it can help with the networking kind of thing but a lot of times also it, it hurts you because syracuse for example is very well known for producing a lot of broadcasting talent. And so some guys or girls who didn't go there and are in charge of booking people will actively not book you because they're like, oh, Syracuse, you guys have had enough success. I want to hire from schools not as well known or from my alma mater. And also that being said, I know a ton of people a lot more successful than me in this business who went to a school that didn't even have a broadcasting program, but they had the talent and worked on their own on the side and got the work experience and learned that way. Uh, funny with Lady Gaga at NYU, Bob Costas is held up as this paragon of the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University, and he never graduated from there either. He dropped out, I think, his junior year to go do professional broadcasting and never look back. They gave him an honorary degree years later, but I graduated and earned it. Bob, you didn't if you're listening, but it just goes to show you that if you, you can learn so much more away from the school or you don't need to pay for that paper. And for anyone that is struggling with, hey, how do I make ends meet for college tuition? You don't necessarily have to. Yeah, I mean, education is great. And I did make a ton of connections at SU that continue to help me to this day, but I could have made those connections otherwise. And the actual learning of the actual thing, a lot of times you can do that anywhere because technique is technique and skill is skill. And with the internet now you can teach yourself a lot on your own. But yeah, weigh what it is in your industry too. Going to Harvard for business is going to help you more than going to West Tech County, whatever. But if you think that it's not a huge requirement to, to get over that barrier to entry, then yeah, don't waste $80,000 a year on a school that you're going to end up like Sarah is now wondering if you should regret spending your time there. And uh, ending up as a waiter. Right. Which leads me to, <laughs> I mean, that's my, everyone that comes out of NYU, they're just waiting my tables in the East village, waiting for that big break. All that, right, that always all right. happens for actors, right? So that is the last myth that we have. And I added this one, um, right before we recorded this, because I do feel that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you're an actor. You're in it. You're a waiter. All actors are waiters. Right. Um, and that's not true. <laughs> well, I have been a waiter, um, <laughs> as well as a bartender. Um, you know, there, there's a other things that people can do if they're looking for side hustles. I know a lot of people who do things like graphic design, um, you know, website design, that sort of stuff. Um, obviously people, myself included, um, pursue other sort of gigs that work in that like freelance, um, sort of capacity. So I got my real estate license and I tried that for a little while. Um, I was also an event planner. I, um, I was a nanny. So there's a lot of different types of things that people can do, which means, you know, if you are an actor and you're like, I cannot serve people, um, there is other work that you can do. Um, and similarly, you know, I don't know, like I think too, not every single actor necessarily does have a side hustle. Like, you know, some people have found, or I don't even want to call it a side hustle. There's just legitimately working two different jobs. Like, again, like they enjoy graphic design. They're, they just are wanting to pursue acting as a passion. So I don't know. I think this blanket statement that, you know, if you go into a restaurant in New York City, that your server is going to definitely be an actor. It's not true because there's also career waiters. I worked with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good money if you're good at it. And uh, it, it's a shame because there are some times where the stereotype just happens to reinforce itself, but that you have to think outside of the one experience you're having. Like I went to LA one time when I was working for Guinness World Records and the guy who picked me up in the car service was a screenwriter and he saw me in my fancy Guinness suit and he must've assumed I was something big in media. 
because he's so forcefully entered into the conversation that he's a screenwriter and has an active screenplay he was trying to sell and asking me if I was interested in it. And I was like, that's not the case. And I told someone that story and they're like, oh yeah, a lot of screenwriters, they're driving Ubers here because they just, they're hoping to get somebody famous in the back seat they can pitch to. And I was like, okay, that's my one experience. And then I've been to LA a million other times and that never happened again. I same thing with, you know, waiting or bartending in New York or wherever. Uh, don't assume that's, I think the biggest thing you can take from either of these myth versus reality episodes we've done the last two weeks. Uh, don't assume not everything is the same. Uh, stereotypes are not always true and yeah, keep an open mind about all the stuff we talked about. And I'm sure we'll have maybe a third version of this sometime down the road. Cause these things just keep, keep coming. All right, it's time for our casting call of the week. I'll, I'll kick it off because mine's not that good. Um, uh, mine isn't this... either, so we're disappointing you guys this week. All right, <laughs> well, mine's just more of a frustration, so this has turned into Sarah's rant. I am getting really, really tired of seeing every single casting these days is like a shoot from home, shoot on your cell phone sort of thing. And it's like I have to go through so many different audition notices to actually find something decent because I think everyone now is taking for granted the fact that they can sort of just like people want to be safe. They're cooped up at home in their apartments. Um, They have, you know, let's say the desire to make whatever money they can shooting something on their cell phone or whatever. And so there are all of these ads for all kinds of different things where people are asking you to shoot every single thing by yourself in your apartment and then they pay like $50. Um, and it's just, I I personally am not submitting to any of them because I just, I don't, I, again, this is something that I, ha- I can afford to say no to at this point. But it's, it's driving me crazy for two reasons. One, the fact that I like, I'm looking through so many of these to actually get to like, I feel like they should be in their own category at this point. Yeah. Um, and number two, because it, it's kind of messed up. And I read a huge thread on it this past week from, um, from someone who is an actor um, who basically was like, I'm really tired of getting castings where it's like I the deadlines are getting shorter and shorter I like I'm expected to turn around like a 20 page script in you know 12 hours film everything the lighting look perfect the sound be perfect and it's like what happened to like were you upholding yourself to those standards as casting directors when we were coming into your rooms in person like why why the double standard like it's super unfair and so I kind of feel the same way about that as I do about these like little mobile game and casino and weight loss, sleep commercial, whatever things that I keep seeing because it's, I'm gonna read this one for you as an example. Okay, so this is weight loss slash sleep advertisement. I guess it's a two in one somehow. Casting a weight loss sleep commercial. We lose weight in your sleep. No, I made that part up. Um, production <laughs> states. I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> production states looking to have a 90 second script read on camera for a skincare supplement. So now we've moved into a skincare supplement, which is completely different. So, so this much is happening. So here. weird. The product is a supplement that helps the user getting deeper sleep, which will also help raise their metabolism. This is all very suspect to me. The video will be used on TikTok as a short ad to lead potential customers to a video sales page where they will learn more about the product, can be shot anywhere at home, outside, using your cell phone, and wearing something you would wear every day. The idea is to look as though it's shot casually. We are looking for a quick 24-hour turnaround. We plan on choosing talent quickly and hope to find someone who can deliver the video quickly. Once the final video is shot and submitted, payment will be handled quickly. This is a one-time job for now, but if things go well, opportunity to do more. Um... Once you are cast, we would like to have different versions that you send with a different top and different backgrounds. The background should be somewhere natural in your house or outside. It's meant to be filmed um, using your cell phone um, or on a tripod. If you prefer to use an actual camera, that is fine too. Um, okay, so a lot going on here. Um, the other thing that was really funny to me is it says spokesperson, all genders, 25 to 70, which is an enormous age range. Big range. Um, but here, the, the problem that I have with this is you're asking someone to now deliver the video wearing a bunch of different kinds of tops in different backgrounds. So they're doing set design, they're doing wardrobe, they're doing this in 24 hours. Um, and 
they're shooting it. So they're doing the production. They ha- they're expected to have, while they're leaning, they're really leaning into the casual part of it here. I guarantee you they're going to pick someone that has, you know, better capabilities. And then all of this is saying that like, let's say they were going to shoot their own ad, right? Let's say this company actually wanted to shoot their own ad on a set with talent. Like that thing is going to cost them several thousand dollars to shoot, right? Like to pay for the space, to pay for the talent, to pay for the equipment, right? They want to pay this person $50, $50. So it's just like, and I'm seeing so many, and I'm looking at the script right now. This is a full page, a full page monologue. I could read it, but I'm not going to, because it looks terrible. (laughs) It's a full page monologue. Like that is not an easy, like try this new sleep product for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. Right. It's literally a full page. This is not a 60 second ad. And you're asking someone to do all of the work for you to cover all of the expenses and you're only going to pay them $50. It's, and we see this in a lot of businesses, right? It's always the people who have the power once they realize they can get away with something, trying to exploit the little guy uh, as much as they can. So like you said, it didn't used to be this way, but now that they think, oh, these people are home starving for work and experience, let's make them do literally every part of our jobs. And they're assuming, you know, people like you will say no, but they're assuming someone is going to say yes and that they're going to be able to get somebody decent out of this and it's not going to cost them anything. Uh, It sucks. It's terrible. Is it as terrible as your casting call? (laughs) Well, (laughs) mine is also a venting. So this is, we had to get a lot of negative energy out. I think this week, the two of us, Um, this one, it's very specific to one of the websites we use uh, casting networks to look for work. A lot of other places when like a job has multiple roles, it'll all be under one listing, right? And then you can see what's available for that job or that production or that company. But this place, whenever you put a role, like it, it takes up each individual job posting. This, I'm explaining this poorly. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But I'll log on and it'll say, oh, Mike, 33 new roles for you available today that fit you, which, you know, my look, my size, my experience, whatever. So I think, wow, let me, let me look in here and see all these jobs that are available. And then it's literally just, I'm counting here, 17 different roles for the same job. This project is called <laughs> 10 ways to survive life in a quarantine. And I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. I could play Uder. I could play the host. I could play the co-host. I could play Peter, Lou, Cameron, Pascal, D'Angelo, Marvin, Elaine, Torrance, Jules, Lucas, Tony, Jamal, Andrew, or Jeff. And I'm scrolling, looking for, this is also a theater gig. I don't act. So I don't want to see these jobs. They're not really for me, but I have to scroll through all this when they could really just say, hey, this is our one job. Do you fit any of these roles and put that all underneath it? And the kicker, all of these jobs are not paying. You get $0 for all these jobs. So I'm seeing all this stuff and it just you know frustrates me to think that I have so many things I could maybe audition or apply for when in reality, it's just spam basically. So uh, casting networks, if you're listening, streamline your, your system a little bit for those of us that get, that get annoyed. All of these casting, it's like, can we also put all of these mobile like testimonial type shoots into one thing? Cause it's driving me and it's the same thing. I have like 40 new possible roles and it's like, they're all like testimonials for $50 yeah. or less. And it's like, I don't want to be scrolling through all of this. Like it's, it's actually more garbage than good these days. It is. Yeah. Unfortunately, everyone thinks cause we're stuck at home. They can take advantage of us. Well, that's a myth keeping with the theme of the show. <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> that's a myth. We will only take things that are in line with our vision and we're going to do that and keep living the damn dream. 